0: the hero's journey from nofab to tantric sex from my upcoming book how to be cross-eyed thriving despite your physical imperfection a memoir and life hacking manifesto if you're not a man you may not find the content of the next two chapters particularly actionable but you may want to read it anyway as you'll learn some very eye-opening things that many men don't even really understand about themselves. The following chapters also discuss sex, but have some more life hacks that are relevant for the fairer sex. I'll start by describing the first thing that men should not do if they want to have an amazing sex life. Using porn. Why fab? And nofab means not masturbating to porn. If you're a man, you're going to need to choose between having a rowdy sex life and enjoying porn. Sorry, you don't get to have both. So much of our motivational psychology is just a manifestation of our selfish genes trying to get into the next generation. When you masturbate frequently with your own hand, you deprive yourself profoundly of natural male aggression, drive, and zest for life. If you are a moderate masturbator who is doing it like a couple of times a week, you'll find that no fapping increases your motivation and energy by like 20 to 25%. However, if you've got a real porn addiction where... It's like an everyday thing or a couple of times a day. Nofabbing will really change your life. But it's also going to be quite difficult. If you're serious about this, give a listen to this free Domain Radio podcast interview with a very knowledgeable porn addiction expert who has some interesting things to say. If you're a first-time Nofaber, Try to just go two weeks. This is sufficient for you to experience a boost in testosterone from not orgasming. If you can go two weeks, try going for a whole month. This amount of time gives your brain the time to start reprogramming its arousal system. 30 days of no fapping is a lot easier to accomplish if you drink No alcohol that month. So it's better to just plan to abstain from both simultaneously. Then try going for 60 or 90 day blocks of no fapping. Once you develop this kind of discipline, you'll find that when you finally do use porn, it's kind of boring and uninspiring. If you keep practicing discipline and doing the kinds of things described in this book, eventually you'll get into an intimate relationship with a virtuous person who you're enjoying sex with regularly, and then there really won't be much reason to watch porn. In fact, it will likely hurt your performance in bed. I don't take a moralizing approach to this. I don't see anything morally wrong with watching porn or masturbation. I put using porn in the same moral and hedonistic category as eating pizza. Pizza is not intrinsically good or bad. Eating pizza is a cheap yet consistent pleasure that doesn't last long. Eating pizza every day is a bad idea that will make you profoundly unhealthy and generally unmotivated. You can eat pizza about once weekly, but you won't really be in ideal health. You could eat pizza once monthly and still be very healthy. You could eat pizza just a few times yearly and be in excellent health and not really miss pizza. You could completely give up pizza and replace it with a less pedestrian pleasure that gives you greater gastronomical enjoyment. I'm a true hedonist who chooses the greater pleasure over the lesser pleasure. And watching porn is a lesser pleasure compared to having a richer life because I'm motivated to go after everything I really want thanks to the no-fabbing. The sexiest piece of furniture I ever owned and grew to hate. Young Americans have a bit of an absurd coming-of-age tradition. At around 18 years old, they move out of their parents' homes and rent cheap and completely bare apartments in bad neighborhoods and then splurge their very limited cash reserves on buying crappy furniture and chintzy interior appointments. Living around the world, I've learned that many other cultures do this much more sensibly. Young people move out in their mid-twenties when they are more advanced in their careers or when they get married and they often move into furnished apartments with roommates. The experience of glowing with pride, sitting alone in your new to you yet funny-smelling little apartment surrounded by a bunch of newly bought cheap plastic stuff from Walmart is, as far as I can tell, a uniquely American one. Many young Americans splurge disproportionate amounts of their income and savings on toys to show off to their friends who come over to their one-bedroom kingdoms, big-screen TVs, Ridiculously overpowered stereo systems, guns, massive collections of alcohol, etc. Like so many male mammals, a young Jonathan Roseland was intent on converting his bedroom, his tiny abode, into the ultimate seduction chamber. I fell in love with this ridiculous style of mirrored black lacquer bed set. It was about 12 feet wide by 8 feet tall, with huge 6-foot mirrors that reflected everything. It also had chrome dimmer lights and a secret compartment with a champagne case. They cost about $2,000, brand new, but I managed to score an already loved one for just $300 off Craigslist. To make it even more over the top, I purchased about 10 body-length mirrors, which I placed opposite the bed set, kind of turning my bedroom into a fun house of infinite reflections. I moved a lot. Every 6 to 12 months, we had to disassemble this ridiculous thing. This damn thing required at least three people to move it. Every time its massive size, weight, or proportions managed to injure just a little bit someone who I had convinced to help me move it. It broke down into about eight separate pieces that had to be put together like a jigsaw puzzle, requiring hours of tedious teamwork, yet I never managed to fit it together just right so it looked the way it was supposed to. This was such a cantankerous thing to own that I grew to hate it more than the leaky, squeaky old Porsche I once had. I was truly relieved the day I sold it. Good riddance. The advice I would go back and give a younger me is that the quantity and quality of your sex life is way more about your habits and what you know than it is about what you have. I lost my virginity to a spy. People often cannot believe it when I tell them I lost my virginity to a spy. The true story is less glamorous and cinematic than it may sound. She wasn't a spy when I met her at about 19 years old at a foam party. If you don't know what this is, just look it up on YouTube. In a nightclub... She was just another young black single mother reveling in the prime of her sexual market value on a Sunday night when she probably should have been home with her son. After some sexy dancing, she announced, quite frankly, that she wanted to sleep with me. But it took me about two years after that to actually close the deal. Horny young men have an amazing capacity To talk themselves out of getting laid. At least I did. A few days after meeting her, she invited me to spend the night with her. I drove to the rough side of Denver where she lived. She instructed me not to ring her doorbell because she lived with her mom. I texted her and she beckoned me into her darkened house. In her bedroom, I found her significantly less frisky than when we first met under the strobe lights in the club. I unrealistically expected the emotional momentum of our initial interaction to just magically reignite. We got to chatting and we just talked for hours. I assumed that she would initiate things and she probably assumed I would. I left frustrated and confused around 2am. I was friend-zoned. As a man, when you don't make a bold move, when it's invited, you relegate yourself to the friend zone. And she actually turned out to be a decent friend. She had a clubbing clique of other attractive young women, which she ingratiated me with. She would call me at least once a week to go out clubbing with them. I wasn't getting laid, but I guess this was better than going clubbing alone or with my drinking buddies. Clubbing with women instead of merely to chase women gave me a new perspective. For women, the prelude to sex, or even just feeling sexy itself, is a visceral pleasure. I remember how the girls relished getting together pre-club, to get dressed and dolled up together. I was always in a hurry to get to the club or party, but these girls seemed to enjoy preparing themselves even more than the actual event. I also didn't realize just how much attention attractive young women receive. This was slightly before the era of mass smartphone usage when men were bolder about approaching Girls. These girls had a seemingly boundless number of options. I remember two underage girls that would tag along with us. They were too young to get into the clubs, so they would actually ride downtown with us and then sit in the car in the parking lot for two hours just so that after the clubs let out, they could walk around downtown in their skinky outfits for 30 minutes and relish the attention showered on them by drunk men stumbling out of clubs. For women, the attention of a sexy man is just as intoxicating as the strongest drink. I didn't let on that I was a virgin. Being surrounded by women... It was easy to pretend that I was a sexually desired man. Women will tell you that the cocky thing doesn't work and that they see right through it, but I don't think they're being honest. Being arbitrarily and irrationally cocky is actually pretty attractive to a lot of women. The younger and more vapid, the better it works. Something in their genes just whispers to them. This guy is so obviously full of bullshit that him being this confident for no good reason means that even if he's a shitty provider, at least 50% of his offspring will be similarly effective seducers. That's a bet worth taking. He might be a cocky asshole, but he guarantees our genetic immortality. Up until then, I didn't understand just how promiscuous women could be promiscuity is a pretty bad deal for women they get their hearts broken they get stds they have to get abortions they become single mothers and it ruins their future chances of a happy successful marriage but their selfish genes don't give a damn i was amazed at how they would carelessly and cavalierly go home with guys who f- whose First names they barely knew, and shocked by how they shamed and disregarded men who tried to court them with a modicum of gentlemanliness or caught feelings. The woman who I originally met among the soapsuds of the phone party had been taking online college classes in criminal justice. After she received her degree, she began a career with the Colorado Department of Justice. From there, she would get jobs at mortgage companies and financial services firms, industries rife with corruption and white-collar crime, where she would spy on them and gather evidence of corporate malfeasance. It was around that time that she very casually took my virginity one night. After a night out on the dance floors of Denver, I drove her home, asked for a glass of water inside, and left two hours later, finally de We slept together several times after that, but she quickly found another boy toy, slightly more red-pilled on female nature. By that time, I was much happier to have her as a friend than a girlfriend. She would go on to infiltrate actual crime rings. Being a black single mother who is quite social in the nightlife scene probably made her a lot more of an unsuspicious infiltrator of the criminal world. She admitted to me that in the course of this work, she once saw a dead body of someone killed by the people she spied on. This freaked her out and she got out of this dangerous line of work. If she was still a spy, there's no way I'd share this story. When I was younger, some of the guys I was friends with had, in retrospect, very unethically hedonistic sex lives. They were really proud of having casual, unprotected sex with lots of different partners. They would commit to being one girl's boyfriend so that they could have all the unprotected sex they wanted with her. And then when we were having a guy's night out, after a few drinks, they would start trying to hook up with other girls, sometimes successfully. Pretty unethical, yet standard male behavior. I stayed friends with some of these guys on Facebook and what I see is that a is that almost all of them as a result now have some severely limited freedom. A lot of them have kids. Some of them are single parents. Some of them have crazy stress and financial commitments to the women that they made babies with. A lot of them are committed in one way or another to really mediocre women. Some of them confided in me that they have spent thousands of dollars on abortions over the years. Thinking back on my most reckless decade of life, I avoided ending up literally or figuratively in that bad neighborhood of the single mother who took my virginity because I practiced some sexual self-discipline. I didn't play Russian roulette with a lot of unprotected casual sex. I had a modicum of temperance. I partied sober a lot and didn't drink myself into oblivion. Every week. I didn't succumb to the pixel powered pleasure world of porn. I practiced nofab and cultivated an empowering tantric lifestyle. Why tantra? Tantric practice is how you up your sex game. If you want a woman to really treat you like a king, you're going to need to really spike her oxytocin. The love hormone, which you could do the way I did by actually taking exogenous oxytocin with my girlfriend, but it's a lot more fun to do it the old-fashioned way, making sure she orgasms during sex. If your woman experiences more orgasms than she's accustomed to with you, oxytocin will make her quite addicted to you. You may think that you're pretty good at sex, but you can always get a lot better by habituating a tantric practice. This entails strengthening your PC muscle by doing kegels, practicing the Taoist breathing techniques, and practicing masturbating without porn and holding back from ejaculating. We call this self-cultivation. There are two books on the topic of tantric semen retention, entitled The Tao of Health, Sex, and Longevity, A Modern Practical Guide to the Ancient Way, and The Multi-Orgasmic Man, Sexual Secrets Every Man Should Know. I created a course for men specifically on the tantric techniques and lifestyle on my website which you'll want to check out if this piques your interest, along with reading those books. In the remainder of this chapter, I'll synopsize the techniques and will quote liberally from The Tao of Health and The Multi-Orgasmic Man. This may sound like woo-woo Eastern spiritual nonsense, but it has really made a difference to me, so I recommend it Highly. I recall several years ago, before I learned this stuff, I seduced an 18-year-old girl in Kiev. I had been nofabbing for some time and came after about five minutes of her writing me cowgirl. She was unimpressed and not interested in seeing me again, in huge contrast to my experiences having attained some competence with tantric semen retention methods. Why semen retention? Nofab really is a commonality among high-performing men. In short, it increases testosterone sharply and puts your cognition into overdrive. Because not coming for an extended period of time convinces your evolutionary psychology that you are not passing your genes on, on a biological level your genes are screaming, this guy is not making any babies, gene death, red alert. We need to really give him a bunch of motivational fuel and dial his cognitive powers way up. But there's some notable downsides to NoFap. If, like a lot of single guys, you no fab, so you will have the motivation to get over your social anxiety, approach, date, and actually try to get laid, it will work for that purpose. But after no fabbing for 7-10 to days or more, you'll find that things are pretty anticlimactic in the bedroom when you finally get down to business with someone you're really attracted to. If you come after three minutes, sometimes she'll totally forgive you and return to your bed. But sometimes it's a job interview and you won't get a call back. This has definitely happened to me a few times. Tantric methods will give you the stamina to keep them coming back. If you're in a healthy marriage or long-term relationship, you are going to be having unprotected sex and ejaculating with your partner with about the same frequency that I think the average single guy gets off to porn. Obviously, having sex with another real human is a whole lot healthier than making a mess by yourself while transfixed by a glowing screen, but it has the same detrimental effect on testosterone and your immune system. Tantra is transformative for long-term relationships and actually a loyalty biohack. Nofab makes you really horny, and Horny You is known to make bad decisions isn't he no fabbing will reorganize your priorities around socializing and dating unless you are actively biohacking your self control no may really put your lizard brain in charge and you may not be happy with the smelly wet places that that scaly bastard drags you off into. There's several tantric methods that will help you to better yield your sexual energies. You may not have a raging porn addiction. If you've got a handle on your porn consumption and intermittently throughout the year do 30-day periods abstaining completely from it, if you so choose, tantric methods will even dial up the visceral pleasure of porn and can be used to abrogate its negative effects. Ejaculation versus Performance Both Muhammad Ali and the musician Miles Davis spoke frankly about the correlation between their elite performances and coming during sexual intercourse. Quote, what neither Davis nor Ali realizes is that sexual intercourse without ejaculation prior to a fight or a gig would improve their performance even more than if they abstained altogether. Taoist Daniel Reed urges health-conscious men to give up masturbation after their 20s. Quote, by the time they reach 30, men should entirely give up this self-defeating habit and start conserving semen exclusively for intercourse with women. Ejaculation versus Cognition In case you haven't noticed, ejaculation makes you retarded. Try doing brain training after you've come, and you'll observe a significant drop-off in your scores. Even the next day, you'll be a bit slower, grasping for your words, solving problems slower. You'll likely sleep in and have a lingering tiredness throughout the day. Biohackers call it an orgasm hangover. And you can note the difference in my own verbal skills between two videos that I link to on this chapter where it's published on Medium. One of them was the day after an orgasm and another one was after two weeks of NoFab and there's a notable difference. Loss of cerebrospinal fluids. Semen retention is a quote-unquote nootropic for enhanced cognition because it conserves essential biological resources. It's a well-known medical fact that semen and cerebrospinal fluid consist of the same basic ingredients. So preserving semen nourishes the brain by making more essential nutrients available to it. 20% of male semen is composed of cerebrospinal fluid. You may also help minimize the loss of essence and energy due to semen emission by learning to come lightly, end quote. Research that appeared in the New York Times concurs, quote, the new work suggests that ceaseless sperm production takes its toll on a male, perhaps requiring the use of complex enzymes or biochemical processes that have harmful metabolic byproducts. Creating sperm is far more difficult than scientists had imagined, demanding a diversion of resources that might otherwise go into assuring a male's long term health. The rolling orgasm. The multi orgasmic man quotes a Dr. Harant Kachorian Some men are able to inhibit the emission of semen while they experience the orgasmic contractions. In other words, they have non-ejaculatory orgasms. Such orgasms do not seem to be followed by a refractory period loss of erection, thereby allowing these men to have consecutive or multiple orgasms like women. And I have a photo of the good doctor with a Really, really funny caption that I came up with. This is really getting to have your cake and eat it too, gentlemen. With diligent practice, some men can even learn to approach the very brink of ejaculation and enjoy all the exquisite sensations associated with it without spilling a drop of semen. End quote. Birth control. Have you ever had a really crazy night that culminated in you ejaculating into an equally crazy woman? For the next two weeks, you walked around beating yourself up mentally over the prospect of having to pay her money for the next 18 years. This is something that a multi-orgasmic man has to worry about a whole lot less. Quote, Men, too, may experience sequential mini-orgasms without actual ejaculation, and it dispels the notion that birth control is primarily a female responsibility. It's important to mention, though, that it's definitely not an airtight contraceptive option. Quote, This is the pre-ejaculate that they warn you about in sex education classes. So you will need to make sure that you continue to use birth control, even if you don't ejaculate. The next chapter will discuss herbal birth control and natural contraception. Whole body orgasms. Wilhelm Reich, in his controversial book, The function of orgasm was the first to argue that orgasm involved the whole body and not just the genitals. In the East, Taoists have long known that orgasm could be a whole body experience and developed techniques for expanding orgasmic pleasure. The definition of a multi-orgasmic man is they tested 33 men who claimed to be multi-orgasmic. That is to be able to have two or more orgasms without losing their erection. I'll suggest that you make just that, your short-term biohacking goal for the next three months, to be able to have two or more orgasms without losing erection. Quote, in the words of one multi-orgasmic man, a whole body orgasm is Unbelievable. Once you experience it, you will never go back to a genital orgasm. It's a far cry from the six-second orgasm most men have learned to settle for as the normal more male orgasm. Here's another stirring testimonial of just how it feels. We were making love, and I thought I was going to come, and I started doing my deep breathing And as I was doing my deep breathing, my head started to kind of electrify, to tingle like little sparks going on inside, tingly little things that went up the back of my neck a little bit. It started rushing back and forth in my head, and I almost thought I was going to get dizzy. It was so good. And I thought, if this goes any further, I might just lift off. It lasted for, it's hard to know what time is like in bed, but at least a minute. It was a long orgasm, just tingling, tingling, tingling. It would go away and then come back. My body was ringing like a bell. If that doesn't motivate you to cultivate this skill, I don't know what would. Lovemaking. Four orgasms per Per lovemaking session is statistically average. Yes, really. Quote. During Hartman and Fithian's research, the average number of orgasms a multiorgasmic man had was four. Some men had the minimum of two, and one had as many as 16. In a study by Marion Dunn and Jan Trost, most men reporting having from two to nine orgasms per session. Our lovemaking has always been good. But now it is so much richer and more balanced with both of us experiencing many waves of orgasm. Multi-orgasms, though, are just the beginning of the profound changes that this practice has made in our relationship. Our love is much deeper and more intimate now. Being a more sexual man. You've likely heard pickup artists or gurus speak in unhelpful generalizations about being more confident, intentful, more direct, more alpha, etc. But they often fail to give real specifics as to how to subcommunicate this. That's just what this tantric practice will imbue. You may have more sexual energy than you're used to. You will need to learn to channel this excess energy. When I started the practice, all of my relationships became sexualized. Porn addiction. I've struggled with porn addiction. You probably have too. Many guys read a few articles about the personal development benefits of NoFab, practice a little self-control, and are able to quit porn cold turkey, or at least cut back sharply. But a smaller proportion of guys have a more hardcore addiction. They have tried quitting porn multiple times, and like heroin addicts, they shamefully relapse consistently. Going cold turkey doesn't work for them. Just like many heroin addicts, need to transition to a lesser drug like kratom to overcome their self-destructive vice, a tantric self-cultivation practice can be a way of reprogramming the damage a porn addiction does to the psyche. Loyalty. I first heard of semen retention from the pickup artist John Matrix, who apparently has gone months without ejaculating while in a serious long-term relationship. He reported enthusiastically that semen retention actually made him a more loyal boyfriend, which makes sense to my understanding of evolutionary biology. Men are programmed to cheat. After we've been sleeping and ejaculating with one woman for a period, our biology assumes we've reproduced successfully and urges us to stray and spread our seed elsewhere. But if you aren't ejaculating with your woman, this tendency to get bored and pursue side punani is blunted. At least that's how I've heard a few men describe it. It is also likely to make your partner more loyal. One man admitted, Once I ejaculate, the pillow looks better than my girlfriend does. Which is funny, but this kind of very ordinary male stamina will not rewar- reward you with an extraordinary relationship. In our dysfunctional society and increasingly asymmetrical sexual marketplace, training yourself tantric semen retention is the stargate you must pass through to become a really great lover that doesn't have to worry about infidelity on behalf of your partner. Frequency of male orgasm. In the Taoist traditions that seem to be the originators of NoFab, you'll find different formulas for determining how frequently you should be orgasming. Some of them are kind of silly, like if it's the winter season and you are in the spring season of the relationship with your partner, your frequency of orgasm should be X. However, The two formulas that make the most sense to me are your age minus seven divided by four is the minimum days to have between ejaculations to maintain health. So I'm 33 years old, so I shouldn't orgasm more than once every six to seven days. You can pretty easily figure out what your number is. The other recommendation to maximize happiness and productivity is once every 30 days. Quote, a man may attain health and longevity if he practices an ejaculation frequency of twice monthly or 24 times a year. Or to come about a third of the times that you have sex. Quote, when having sexual intercourse with woman, a man should emit semen only two or three times in 10. I should admit that I don't exactly practice what I preach here. I often come a lot more frequently than once every six days. Semen has a potent antidepressant effect for the women who consume it. Sexperts enthusiastically recommend that women swallow if they want to enhance their mood. I care deeply about the woman in my life, and she's noticeably happier and generally more pleasant when I'm not so stingy with my semen, which I feel is healthy, at least in the medium term, because I have a very good diet and take a lot of health supplements and feed my body the building blocks of everything that underlies my male essence. Abstinence. A lot of men abstain from sex, whether it's out of religious conviction or simply because they live in a boring town in the middle of nowhere. For them, tantric self-cultivation is their best option. I remember as a young Christian man trying to (laughs) masturbate without fantasizing about pretty girls I knew, which is a sin. Youth pastors could save the young men they lead a lot of needless self-flagellation and judgment if they taught them to do self-cultivation as a mindfulness practice instead. In some religious sects, they command young men to not masturbate at all, which I hope we can all agree is simply ridiculous. The penis is like any other appendage or muscle, in that it shrinks if you don't use it. Quote, The penis actually withdraws into the body if not used regularly, as many older men who are not sexually active have witnessed. The Taoists knew that it is important to exercise your sexual organs as any other part of your body. Domain-specific self-control generalizes. This is going to be fairly discipline intensive. It's not going to be real hard work or time intensive in the way that training for an Ironman or studying to pass the bar would be. But it's going to certainly be an acute challenge of your self-discipline. It's really going to be worth it, though. Rarely does the application of self-discipline pay off so viscerally as in the experience of full-body orgasm. To build your discipline muscles, I encourage you to simultaneously abstain from no fab, a full month of no porn whatsoever, and two, no alcohol, not a drop, not even socially for a month. You'll find these two practices have a symbiotic, helpful effect on your self-control. Throughout my year, I have periods of coasting and periods of sprinting productivity. During the sprints, I always go off booze and completely off porn. And it really does supplement my productivity. If you don't have a daily way of tracking these habits, you will fail and you may not become multi-orgasmic. You could mark off days on your calendar or get an accountability buddy, but I recommend the free app Coach.me. Your homework. At this point, you're probably pretty excited to try this. I could tell you to do something boring, like just Focus on breathing. Spend the next two weeks just habituating belly breathing. But that sounds boring. Instead, tonight, masturbate without porn and without ejaculation. It will be a little weird and unsatisfying. Do it with lotion like normal and stop well before you come. Sexual transmutation. Chapter 11 of the classic personal development book, Think and Grow Rich, is about how sex drive is intertwined with the rest of life. Quote, there are other mind stimulants. Some of them have been listed, but no one of them, nor all of them combined, can equal the driving power of Sex. Among the greatest and most powerful of these stimuli is the urge of sex. When harnessed and transmuted, this driving force is capable of lifting men into that higher sphere of thought, which enables them to master the sources of worry and petty annoyance, which beset their pathway on the lower plane. The cool draw. This is a method for transmuting your sexual energy in your balls into cognitive horsepower. If I ever get bored of being a smart drug dealer and traveling nomadic developer and decide to become a rapper instead, I think my rapper name will be cool draw. This is the Taoist technique for drawing your sexual energy out of your testicles and circulating it through the body before you get hot and bothered. The cool draw is also called testicle breathing. This is a quintessential biohack for hedonistic optimization. Quote, You will be able to feel this orgasmic wave of pleasure at any time without even having to be sexually aroused on the benefits of the cool draw. Michael Wynn explains, I have taught this technique to thousands of Western men and found that it is the quickest and safest way for men to relieve feelings of sexual frustration and horniness, as well as to increase the flow of creative energy to their heart and brain. This technique lets a man cultivate his sexual energy any time and any place, standing in line, at the bank, sitting in his office, or even when he wakes up in the middle of the night from a sexual dream with an erection. The technique one, touch or cup your testicles with one hand to warm them up until you feel a slight tingle or the first stirring of your sexual energy. If you are in a public place, you can simply Think a sexual thought or fantasy. 2. Inhale and gently pull up on the muscle around the testicles, the perineum and the anus. As you inhale and pull your muscles up, imagine that you are sipping this sexual energy and drawing it from your testicles to your perineum and onto your anus and tailbone. 3. Exhale and relax your muscles, but keep your attention on your rising sexual energy. Four, continue to inhale and pull up and then exhale and relax several more times until you can feel a warm or tingling sensation at your perineum. Once you are able to move this sexual energy, you can simply begin using the spine like a straw, sipping the energy from your testicles and perineum right up the entire length of your spine to the base of your skull, gently gently tucking your chin in will help the energy move from your spine into your head do this for five or ten minutes until you become aware of a light tingling feeling in your head with your mind try to circle the energy in your head five finally touch your tongue to the roof of your mouth About half an inch behind your front teeth where the palate curves down. Your tongue works like a light switch that connects your front and back channels. Allowing the energy to flow down the front of your body to your navel. Some positioning advice for your self-cultivation. In the beginning, do not lie on your back during these exercises. While I've not practiced this as extensively as the other tantric methods, I have noticed a subtle feeling of energy and a bit of sensation behind my ears in the back of my head as I practice the cool draw during my meditation sessions. I've noticed that I do feel more pleasure and energy throughout my body. I have particularly productive writing or creative sessions After performing the cool draw for 5 to 10 minutes, I can't say yet if it's had an effect on my ability to retain semen or have uh, multiple orgasms. How the cool draw moves energy along your microcosmic orbit, discussed further in the next chapter. Quote, contracting your anus. the most important part of the practice because it is this squeezing action that literally pumps the energy up your spine one Tao adept reported that the cool draw enables him to meter and turn down his sex drive as desired quote i personally think it's one of the best things ever to happen to me The cool draw, on the other hand, is something I've been doing recently for a couple of months, and it's fantastic. It's a pity that it does not receive more attention because I think it accomplishes what most guys who are on this path are really looking for. Now I can go about my day and see pretty girls and feel neutral about it. Don't get me wrong, if they are pretty, I of course recognize this, but more in the same way that you look at a sunset landscape or architecture that you think is pretty. You know it's aesthetically pleasing to the eye, but you don't feel sexual desire for such an object. This has had the great effect of allowing me to focus on developing love in my heart without the distraction of lust, desire, and attachment. My advice in learning the cool draw is to be patient with it and take your time. Like anything else that you try to learn, it's kind of slow at first and a bit tricky to get the feel for it. But if you are patient and stick with it, you will get the hang of it. Since the cool draw is the foundational skill set of moving energy along the microcosmic orbit, I suggest that you practice it every day. The ideal time to practice it is when you're aroused, even just slightly. Like if you see a pretty girl across the street, if a risque advertisement catches your eye, if a female coworker drops her pen, that's your reminder to do the cool draw partner the next chapter will delve deeply into the nine techniques for tantric sex to summarize you either get to have a good sex life or you get to enjoy porn regularly you don't get to have both The quantity and quality of the sex that you enjoy is much more about what you know than what you have. Practice a modicum of self-discipline with your sexuality, and in the long term, you'll have a lot more good sex. These tantric techniques are how Napoleon Hill's sexual transmutation is done practically.